for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Okay, we're, we're finally down to business, serious business here. Football games that are going to be close. A football game that's going to be, it should be epic for the South Dakota State football team. No more knick-knacking around here. Although, it, I mean, it took them into the fourth quarter to really get past Holy Cross. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but I decided to do my part here and wear some, it, it's a, it, we're down to business. I'm wearing some more business attire. I feel overdressed for the Gateway Lounge today. And, not that, not that it's really a such thing. Businessmen come here all the time on lunch and afterward, but for us, I feel overdressed. Had to, uh, had to look good for the, for the boss at a job today. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess we, before we get down to brass tacks with Montana State, that, that, that was too good of a football game on Saturday against Holy Cross to just c completely swipe that aside. That was, that was a fun game. If you were just taken from uh, Pluto or Neptune, and uh, here, watch this. You just go, that's, that's a damn good football game. Those look like two evenly matched football teams. Then one was a little better than the other by the end of the game. Yeah, I think uh, Jack's players, fans, coaches should all feel fortunate to have won. I know they do. Um, I'm sure there's some sense of, geez, you know, Holy Cross, they're an eight seed, and they're from the Patriot League, and we only be – I mean, 21 points sounds like a, the final deficit makes it sound comfortable. It obviously was not. It was a close game. It was tied going into the fourth quarter. And if Holy Cross had gone for it on fourth down on the first play of the fourth quarter, I think they would have got it and scored a touchdown, possibly, and it would have been a completely different game. Um, but, you know, having had some time to reflect on that game a little bit and go back over some of the details and, and look at the big picture and the kind of season that Holy Cross had, you know, maybe Holy Cross is really that good. You know, maybe they are one of the – they were the eighth seed, but maybe they're one of the three or four best teams in the country. You know, maybe they're that good. Uh, you know, people are like, geez, Montana State beats William and Mary 55 to 7, and whereas the Jacks struggled, you know, a lot of people I think are favoring Montana State because of that. A lot of Jacks fans are very nervous about this game, understandably. Um, but, you know, you and I have talked a lot about this on this podcast and elsewhere, like, especially when you get into this time of year, but really at all at, at high levels of sports, a win is a win is a win is a win, you know. I mean, if. Okay, if you beat an NAIA team by three, that's something to worry about. But when you're in the playoffs, you know, there's no style points or anything like that. Is it disappointing that the Jacks gave up 200 rushing yards when everyone knew that's exactly what Holy Cross was going to try to do, come out and run with their quarterback? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's concerning. Yeah. Um, but they found a way to get it done. You know, they won the game. They're in the semifinals. Uh, it looks like they've got a hell of a challenge ahead of them, but you know what? You're supposed to at yeah. this time of year. One win away from a national championship, and unless you're the 95 Huskers, Husker reference number one for today, <laughs> unless you're the 95 Huskers and you're averaging a win by four touchdowns a game against your top 10 opponents mm -hmm. and 42 points a game against everybody else, and there's not one hiccup, there's not one close game in the bunch, you're that historically, generationally immense to the point where you didn't even need Lawrence Phillips at all. Anyway, uh, <laughs> then every championship team has a game like this. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's fucking football. And by the way, 42-21, the final score does mean something. Of course, most of the game wasn't that close, but the fourth quarter was proof that that is how much better 
South Dakota State mm-hmm. is and should be and was against Holy Cross. It's a four-quarter game. That's true. And they and the Jackrabbits didn't change a damn thing about what they do well. You know, some head coaches, some operations are like, wow, we're in a fist fight that we didn't expect now. And what do we, we you know, we th- there was really no trick plays. They just kept running the ball, mm-hmm. play action. Uh, and eventually just wore them down. The two, three, four-yard runs were becoming six- and ten-yard runs by those last couple of drives, and they were they just broke down Holy Cross's will. They were better, they were bigger, they were stronger than Holy Cross, and they proved it. It just took a little longer to prove that. I mean, don't you think there is something to that? Yeah. I, and Because I, I get the rushing part. They, the Jacks were giving up 70 rushing yards a game, and Holy Cross had 185, mostly from the quarterback. Oh, they had like 300. Well, by the end of the fourth quarter, oh, yeah. they, by the beginning of the fourth yeah. quarter, they already had 180. Yeah. So yeah. I get it. That is concerning. Uh, Montana State's probably better than Holy Cross and probably has a better offense. But the the other side, of the, the other thing I'll add is, yes, Holy Cross plays in uh, per perceptually weaker league, weaker league mm-hmm. and hasn't had any near the opponents that South Dakota State has had. But that's part of the point as well. They can't control their schedule. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would have been this competitive for three quarters against North Dakota State or yeah. Sacramento State. Well, they beat Who Buffalo, knows? an FBS team that's in a bowl There game, you go. So. I mean, they look like a, d- a damn good team with a coach who probably – uh, he he looks like he has Bob Mackey looks like he has the total package. Bob Chesney. Chesney, thank you. <laughs> How could I forget Chesney? <laughs> um, yeah, he's a good coach. He's yeah. won everywhere he's been, and uh, I appreciated. He gave, I don't know if you saw the press conference or read any of the quotes. The first thing I asked him was, "Do you wish you'd gone for it on the first play of the fourth quarter instead of kicking the field goal, which they missed?" And he gave a very very long winded answer where it seemed like he was still trying to make up his mind in his head as he was answering the question. You know, but he ultimately came down on, yeah, we should have gone for it. Um, and that's part of the reason I think what you said is correct. It is a four-quarter game, and the fourth quarter matters just as much as the first three. And SDSU did outscore them 21 nothing in the fourth quarter. Well, it matters more. Um, but, 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 yeah. but Holy Cross made a lot of mistakes. They made some coaching mistakes. You know, that, that was a bad decision. Um, they ran a, a pass play they ran on, I, th- I think, second and six that resulted in a sack. Uh, helped SDSU tremendously right before half. You know, it was tied, and they probably should have gone to half tied. They tried to do something. Jason Freeman gives a pick six. I mean, you usually lose when you give up a pick six. Um, so, so there were definitely, I thought, some gifts there, which is part of the reason I think a lot of Jack's fans, observers, are kind of like, geez, you know, that was kind of a lucky win. Uh, I probably wouldn't use the word lucky, but but certainly fortunate. You know, they 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 got everything they wanted from Holy Cross, but. Um, I was talking to Brian Bergstrom last night, SDSU's former co-defensive coordinator who's now the head coach at Winona State. And uh, I called him just, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how SDSU might try to defend the quarterback run and what he remembered from last year's game against Montana State. But he did make the point kind of to what you just alluded to. He's like, teams that win it all, that win championships, almost never, you know, go through untested, no matter who the opponent is. They might have a close game against their, the best team they play, their arch rival. They might have a close game against the worst team they play and just barely find a way to survive and get the win. He's like, that's what makes them championship teams. When they get in these situations, like, hey, you didn't play your best. Maybe you came out flat. Maybe you made some stupid coaching decisions or mental errors. Maybe you had too many penalties. Maybe you had a bunch of turnovers, a, a big special teams mistake. But you still find a way to win. He's like, those are the teams that win championships. And he's like, not saying SDSU is automatically going to going to win it all because they went through this against Holy Cross, but he's basically was saying this is a positive. 
you know, they didn't play the greatest. They got a big challenge from an underdog that kind of, you know, threw a big punch at them and almost knocked them out, and, but they survived. And when you survive games like that where you don't play your best, you get everything you can handle from an underdog, and you still win, it's like that's what championship teams do. And he's like, so I definitely think that they should, A, have some confidence, some, some momentum going into this next game, even though it's against a very good opponent. But also, and Caleb Sanders, their All-American defensive tackle, alluded to this this morning in their uh, press conference. He's like, we maybe needed a little bit of a wake-up call, you know, particularly on defense. We've just been dominating everyone. It's mm -hmm. been easy week after week. A team came out and kind of slapped us in the mouth. Ran, we think we're this unstoppable defense that no one can run the ball against us. Give it 300 rushing yards. That's good for us. That will help us going forward. And I, I think both of those takes from Berge and from Caleb Sanders make a lot of sense. Well, it's, it's, it's a mental test. You and I have seen it up close enough, having these nice seats that we get for these sporting events at all levels, is when you have a big favorite getting tested by a big underdog where it was kind of expected they were going to blow them out right from the start or be blowing them out by the second quarter, certainly by halftime. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it, 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 sometimes it comes down to maturity and professionalism, but often it's human nature, even the really good and experienced teams that are the big favorites, as, as, it, keep, as it continues, when there isn't a big run that finally gives it a big gap, you know, where reality sets in. Then the, the body language, which then is reflecting the psychological uh, process of the big favorite, collectively it becomes a collective thing there's an energy especially mm -hmm. when they're at home and the whole mm -hmm. home crowd is like what the fuck's going mm -hmm. on everybody's mm -hmm. quiet they're mm -hmm. not providing the home court advantage mm -hmm. the 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 mind can races and the body language races to what the fuck are these guys doing hanging around us like this what's going on and then and then if it keeps going on it's like why haven't we knocked them out yet what's right. wrong with us yep and uh, so it, it happens. And sometimes the talent and the cream just rises to the top. And I think in the Jacks case, again, they, they really didn't blink. I mean, they, they flinched here and there, but they, they, never, they never blinked. So, and now, yeah, I mean, the good news is probably uh, you have two wins left for a national title. These two games are going to be close. And, uh, you know, you had your game against North Dakota State. That was, that was right down to the wire, tug of war. But... That was a while ago. Now you've had one just last week where you kind of had to go through that, and I, I think there's something maybe to the, the muscle memory of that, of we were, yeah, we were just there. We can, we can withstand yep. this. I think Stig deserves a lot of credit for uh, all those things you just said about what happens in one of those games where the heavy favorite experiences this, that, or the other. Um, I think Stig did a good job and does a good job of letting his team understand just because the spread is 19 doesn't mean you're 19 points better than these guys. In hindsight, Holy Cross probably deserved, ironically, the Jacks ended up covering the spread because they scored a gar garbage time touchdown. But, you know, I think he did a good job of conveying to his team that these guys are 12 and 0. You know, this isn't some patty cake that's coming in here. They beat an FBS team, a, a solid FBS team. Uh, I think the Jacks players were able to tune out the noise, so to speak, of thinking, oh, this is supposed to be another easy win, you know, and. So, th so they did not panic when those things happened. All those things you talked about with body language coming into play and starting to press if it feels like the fans are on edge. Because you can always feel when the fans are, are underwhelmed. Even if they're not booing, you can just feel the temperature of a stadium. Like, everyone's on edge. Like, this isn't going the way we thought it's going to go. You know, I think the, the players, you could sort of see it that 
they weren't panicking when it was 21-21. Yeah, they were frustrated when Matthew Sluka kept outrunning them for these, converting these third and 17s and second and 13s and breaking off touchdown runs, but it was never a sense of, I mean, they knew he was a great player. They knew he was going to make plays. Um, and so, you know, we talk about Stig and his somewhat un unorthodox coaching style all the time. Um, but I think that th that's one of the things he's always done well, but has especially done well in recent years is keeping his players focused on what they're supposed to do and not listening to the outside noise or worrying about any sort of perceptions or what, you know, you and I are talking about or what the national media is talking about or, or any of those sort of things. And uh, even this week, you know, the, the press conference they had this morning went on forever because there were a ton of reporters there. And, you know, people kind of kept wanting to come back to revenge, you know, avenge the loss to Montana State last year. And he's like, that really isn't playing into this at all. And I believe him, you know, because there's more important things to worry about. And they're not a rival or anything. It's not about avenging last year's loss. It's about trying to get to Frisco. And also just understanding all the things they got to do to do that because of how good of a team Montana State is. And especially interestingly enough, um, and I tweeted about this this morning, he told us without being prompted that he, had, he got the team together and showed them last year's press conference from the loss to Montana State and had them all watch it as a team. And uh, I, I, I was there, obviously, and as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, I get why you would do that. It was a, you know, sometimes press conferences are like, you're going, going through the motions because it's just what everyone has to do. That one last year was very... Um, emotional, pointed, you might even say. I asked Logan Backus, the senior linebacker who has since graduated, it was the last game of his career, is this season a success? And he said, no, absolutely not. He did not hesitate. Even though I think, you know, come on, you made the semifinals and the national championship in the same season. <laughs> um, played 25 games, all that. They accomplished a lot of things. But he, he wasn't just blowing smoke. He was like, no, we are sad. We are pissed off. We are disappointed. This is a failure. And then... We asked him, I don't remember what that exact the question was, but he was like, something's got to change. We can't keep doing the things the way we're doing. And people wondered, like, is that a shot at Stig? Is that a shot at the coaching staff at large? Is that a shot at certain players who they feel like, you know, maybe are, aren't bought in or are too interested in their own individual accomplishments? It could have meant a lot of things, and no one really asked Logan to elaborate. But it was interesting to me that Stig had the idea, or whoever had the idea, I'm assuming it was Stig, to have the players watch that. And I think, according to what Stig said this morning, the idea was, remember how much this hurt? Remember how much this sucked? Look at Logan Backus. Look at Wes Janant, the other player that was in the press conference that day. <laughs> Do they look to you like they're happy? Like they're like, oh, I'm proud of the season we had. I mean, they were, but, like, they were devastated, you know. And I think the idea was to remind the players, here's what's at stake. Here's what you are going to feel like on Sunday yeah. if you lose on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, I like that. I thought that was uh, – uh, again, unorthodox move, um, but I think it plays into how th the certain – Stig is deliberate, I think, about the buttons he pushes, and this is an example and of that. I was going to ask you what is unorthodox. I've never – besides the giant – besides the fact that he's not a coordinator and yet has a giant binder and some – play sheets mm -hmm. dangling from his neck like mm -hmm. a giant binder isn't enough he looks like a nutty professor on the sidelines and yet we all know he's very much a delegate authority ceo mm -hmm. what what is unorthodox about him and you just well he just gave a perfect anecdote right i mean w whether it was his idea or not it was somebody's idea and if he didn't 
like it. Or he would have vetoed it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've never. I don't know about you. I've never heard of that happening. Any level of sports of a of a of a choosing of a to coach. watch a press conference. Yes, yeah. of a yeah. coach showing a press conference, yeah. not like you know a game or anything like that. Mo- you know, movie clips. You know, you, you see guys. Right. Mike McCarthy tried to do that with the Cowboys yeah. on Hard Knocks. The like, Al Pacino uh, speech from any given sure, Sunday. Sure. Which is so good, by the way. Yeah, it's. I've. Sometimes you don't like that kind of stuff that's so celebrated. So, but that one's was, too perfect. If yeah. you want to get sidetracked, like yeah. usually football speeches in movies are so cliched. Yes, you know they're so corny, and you know that one was like you can, you know, I. It's funny. A couple of weeks ago, um, that popped up in my Twitter feed or something. I watched it. Like that isn't even about football. That's about life. Yeah, you know the part about like, you know. One inch too soon, one inch too late, yeah. you don't make it. And Difference between winning and losing, yeah. living and dying. Yeah, I mean, if you're just having a bad day, if you just need some motivation in your life, yeah. watch that clip. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I, I used to think it was cliche because it was so great it gets brought up again. And plus, the words any given Sunday, people use that all the mm-hmm. time now, and they use it for any given Thursday or Friday or Saturday mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it's become a cliche because he made it a cliche, uh, which is I remember watching it in the theater. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was like 21, 22 years old, and yeah, that was okay. That was pretty powerful. But you know, I don't think I, I certainly am not in the locker room after any game, let alone all of them. Although, you know, nowadays with social media and team video stuff, like, everything is recorded. Yeah. Um, well, everything people want to be right. shown is recorded. I don't recorded. think Stig gives his guys a lot of speeches. Um, you know, after practice, it's just a little bit of when he does give them a quote-unquote speech, it's, it's four or five sentences. You know, it's a couple key points, get in, get out. Uh, after games, again, I'm not there, but what you see sometimes on the video is – Hey, I'm proud of you. We, can we play better? Yes, we can play better. All right, I love you guys. See you next week, that kind of thing. I don't think he gets into the rah-rah speeches and trying to motivate that way very often. Now, part of that is they have literally a guy whose job is to do that, their mental performance coach, Chris Crack, who does do that. He gives lengthy speeches to them, um, certainly during the week and practice. I don't know about game days, but that's sort of a separate thing. Um, you know, that's you know whether you want to call it unorthodox or just original or whatever. That's one of the things I've always liked about Stig is he doesn't seem to be well. This is what a football coach is supposed to do, so this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, he just yeah. he is himself. Yeah. And well, more often than not, it seems to be working. And pick your spots with those speeches as well. If you're the guy that's always doing those speeches, and eventually people roll their eyes and they get right. tired of it. It's the same. Well, you run thing. out of shit to say. It, no you know, kidding. You can't and, do that every game. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites that I, that was filmed that was shown. And to me, you're, you, you have much more intimate knowledge of the history and recent history of Jackrabbit football. But I think you could say one of his biggest wins and maybe one of his most important wins was at NDSU in Fargo in 2016, mm-hmm. where that kind of felt like that. I know they had, he had beaten North Dakota State before. But that kind of felt like a breakthrough of, okay, we're flexing our national muscle a little bit here. Uh, and yes, part of me remembers that vividly because I was actually there. there. Yeah. But I, but I, I, wa- I certainly wasn't in the locker room, and I didn't see it until Monday when I came in to do a radio show. And I must have used it five times on the radio show that, because it was so awesome. And and all I remember is him. And I don't know if it was his whole speech or not, but obviously they've won a big game. Okay, Stig's about to speak. Uh, he could he could say anything, and uh, mm-hmm. he could say the dullest or dumbest thing ever and people would still because everybody's just so that excited Uh, but he said he just goes that 
was Jackrabbit football. Mm. And the place just erupted and went mm. crazy. And I don't know. I th that sounds corny, but I thought that was pretty cool. Like That's all I needed to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever that, you know, mm -hmm. whatever that meant is like, it, it, well, to me it said he they, they had probably had a discussion about this and what it is supposed to look like and what it is supposed to be yeah. to, to beat a team like North Dakota State. And they did it, and he just wanted to reinforce that that's what we've been talking about. But anyway, I didn't know this would turn into a Stig Love Fest, but that's fine. Uh, a lot of – I mean, this – I mean, what a, what, once again, here we come down. Now we've got Montana State, team that beat you last year, number four seed – and one of the really, truly three or four teams in the whole country that could win a national championship. And and, and, and whether it's right or wrong, now it, it, these kind of games from here on out until he's done coaching is somewhat of a referendum or reflection of his career. Uh, it's a home game. You'd hate to lose to Montana State in the semifinals and fall one game short of Frisco two years in a row. It, it's it's. If they lose, it's going to be. Uh, yeah. Are, are, are we past that at this point? Uh, past no. that? Can Stig? Can Stig? No. Is, is if, it going to happen under Stig? If they lose on Saturday, there will definitely be a. It's never going to happen. Sort of narrative from certain fans. Uh, is Stig going to get fired? No. Um, is you know what's the response going to be from Justin Sell from Dana Dykehouse? I, I don't know. Um, I don't think there's going to be some reactionary move or anything like that. Stig just got a contract extension. I certainly don't think he's going to say, well, throw up his hands and go, I just can't get it. They need to bring in somebody else to try it. They're just going to get back on the horse and try it again the next year. Um, and they're going to have a good team coming back again next year. But absolutely, if, if they lose this one, and, and, you know, they're playing a really, really, really good team. If they lose, it's not like it's humiliating. It's just that the national championship is all that's left to accomplish. You know, they're – so many other teams would kill to be playing into deep December and win 11, 12 games and, you know, be in the semifinals. But the Jacks have just done that over and over again and not finished the job. And that's what's unfortunate. You know, I mean, imagine being in that situation where anything less than winning it all and you feel like you failed. Um, Should but, give Tom Osborne a call. Yeah, I mean, but, and, but he, you know, I'm sure I vaguely remember the, the time when he, Osborne himself and Nebraska were kind of like, oh, they're, you know, always the bridesmaid kind of thing. It's never going to happen. Can't win the big one. Until it happened. You yep. know, and then the narrative is over. Then it happened you know, over Phil, and over again. Phil Mickelson, you know, whatever. Someday maybe the Vikings will win a Super Bowl, and then they'll, oh, that's over. You know, the Red Sox won the World Series yeah. after 100 years. And now they've won, what, three of them since yeah. then? Yeah. You know, so it just it, until it's happened, it, it hasn't happened. And, um, yeah, if, if they lose, it'll it, it's going to be a rough initial week or so in Jackrabbit world after yeah. that happens. All right, so what makes uh, Montana State dangerous this time around? Uh, their offense is just fucking loaded. Um, you know, last year we saw Tommy Malott, the freshman quarterback, ran over them. Uh, he ran for 150-some yards and threw for 220 or something. I mean, it was – he kind of did it by himself. And, uh, you know, after the game, Logan Backus was like, he's a good player. He didn't make mistakes. Uh, we just saw – Matthew Sluka, the Holy Cross quarterback, absolutely run wild against the Jacks. It was that was hard to watch. You know, that was kind of like, what are you doing? Like, we all knew coming into the game that was their number one weapon. Felt like looked, a layup drill every run. It looked like they weren't prepared, and I, you know, I'm certainly not. You know, we've talked all year about what a good coordinator Jimmy Rogers is, and I'm certainly not sitting here going, well, he's an idiot. He didn't know what was going on, but they couldn't. They couldn't figure it out. They couldn't get it stopped, and you know, some of that was 
uh, missed tackles. You know, the Jacks were undisciplined. Part of it was Matthew Saluka's really freaking good. I mean, it's just hard to tackle him. But another part of it, too, is there's a difference. You know, people see stats and go, okay, this quarterback has 1,000 rushing yards or averages this, that, the other, and they okay, you got to stop the quarterback run. But there's, you know, different ways of getting there. Tommy Mallott, what we saw in the semifinal last year, that was designed runs. That was we are calling a play for Tommy to run the football. With Holy Cross, it was much more we're calling a pass play, and if nothing's there, then he's going to take off and run. About half, at least, of his 213 rushing yards were scrambles on plays that were supposed to be passes. Yeah. So, and that's a little bit Where harder. They had to, beat. That's a little bit harder to game plan for. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this time. The other thing, Montana State's playing two quarterbacks, and I think the reason they're doing, and you'd think, oh, they must have like a running quarterback and a pass. They're both the same. I think they're just both so good they want to play them both so that they don't lose one of them. And they're both dual threats. <laughs> one of them has a thousand rushing yards. The other one has eight hundred rushing yards. Quarterbacks. And they both have, I, I did the math, they've, they've combined to rush for just shy of 2,000 yards, and they've combined to pass for just over 2,000 yards. Jesus Christ. You know, and then you throw in, they have two or three running backs that are very, very capable. One of them has 700-something yards. The other one was the leading rusher in the FCS last year until he got hurt. Um, he's only played a couple games this year, but he's back and healthy now. I mean, just the weapons they have on offense are, are endless. But, you know, we're talking about, okay, so let's say this is the number one offense in FCS football. Well, it's the number one defense in FCS football, too. And then on the flip side of it, Montana State has a good defense. They almost pitched a shutout against William & Mary in the quarterfinals. But they've been susceptible this year. They've given up 25 points a game. Um, now, part of that was they gave up a 70-burger against Oregon State. Um, but, you know, they had some really good pass rushers that caused some problems against the Jacks last year. The best one of those is not no longer on the team. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how many guys they have coming back. And the SDSU offense has been great. You know, they scored – they've been averaging about 40 points a game. I know some of it have been defensive touchdowns and stuff like that, but um, Mark Kronowski's playing really, really good football. And Isaiah Davis is healthy. I mean, Tucker Craft hasn't even really been a factor the last couple of games. They've, you know, I think he had two catches this week and none the week before that. You'd think they're going to try to make more of an effort to involve him. I think there's some pressure on the SDSU offense in this game. You know, we know how good Montana State's offense is. We saw what they did last year. Um, the Jacks' offense needs to pull their weight here. I think it could be a really high-scoring game. Well, part, the, the reason, the reason why Montana State hung in there as long as they did, especially in the first half, was the inability for the Jacks to finish drives. Holy I mean, Cross, you mean, yeah. Sorry, why did you say Montana State? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, as like the first three or four drives were, uh, they all went to the red zone and they all resulted in a field goal or a missed field goal. Yep. I mean, yeah. That you can get away with. Obviously, you can get away with that against Holy Cross. Probably but that's also allowed Holy Cross to stay in the game. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, well, and yeah, against a better team, a, a, a stronger team, a better offense, that's uh, just the – there's there's just less runway for that. There's less slack for that, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll, you'll pay for it probably a lot worse and a lot earlier. Uh, because things just kept lingering and the Jacks never, you know, they never really, I don't, I don't remember them. Did they trail in that game at all? Nope. Ever? Yeah. Well, 7 nothing. Okay. Right. Um, but so they tied it at 14, took yeah. the lead on the pick six. Yeah. But Montana State will make you pay. Do you, how do you feel how this will go? Is it a toss-up to you? Or I think so. You win? I think last I saw the Jacks were six-point favorites. Hmm. I think that line will shrink as we get closer to the game. I was surprised it was that high. To me, it's kind of a pick em just based on how well Montana State has played. Uh, but, you know, they got to go on the road. 
it'll be interesting to see. Uh, certainly, weather isn't going to be a big factor. These are two cold weather teams, you know. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how many Montana State fans make the trip because there's not going to be a lot of fans well, from Brookings there. You, it, high, high, high temperature's 12 degrees right now. Well, it's an ongoing oh, – that's the high, 12. Yeah. I mean – so that's the ongoing discussion is we'll really, really find out the dedication level of Jackrabbit fans now because if you haven't been going because you didn't want to sit through, spend your money and sit through blowouts in the cold, figuring they're going to finally uh, make the semifinals, make the game, your last home game, your yeah, last chance to see to them and in what obviously we all know will be a competitive game, an exciting game. You're putting all your eggs in that basket. Okay, how many, how many of those people are there? And if uh, 12 degrees makes it tough, but you know, last year, what was the temperature in Bozeman for when there were over 20,000 fans selling out their stadium in the semifinals? I last think year? it was in the 20s. I okay, don't remember, but I mean, it was cold. Yes, there was 10 I mean, feet of snow on the ground there. Um, yeah, that didn't stop they, them. They sold, it sold out. They don't was, live in the metropolis. Right. I mean, you know, they don't live in Fargo. They still, they you know, they still pack the place. It was cool. That. It was one of the be best environments for a football game I've ever been at. Yeah, you know. but you, but your confidence is not that high in this place being, I don't know, oh. two-thirds full? No, no. Wow, um, that's too bad. They've got 6,000 for the first two home games. At this point, yeah. if I was SDSU, I'd be very happy to get another 6,000. Wow. Yeah. wow. Oh, you don't think it could even... I mean, it's it's just it's it's colder. Yeah. It's even worse. <laughs> and I think that's what's keeping people away is the weather. Huh? Put on I some layers, wrong. folks. Maybe it's what you said. Maybe people have been. Eh, I don't want to watch them blow out Holy Cross. I'll wait. Maybe we'll mm -hmm. see. I'd be happy to be proven wrong. You know. Yep. But I think a lot of people are going to travel from Montana too. People or people are enjoying their homes, like I did on Saturday. Or I blame the Gateway Lounge. They put on yeah, yeah. too good of a show. You're going to have the game on, and it's no longer streaming. Where you, ha I mean, it's on regular ass broadcast mm -hmm. TV. So you know that's all the easier to. Stay home and watch. It was on ESPN when it was at Montana State last year, and they sold out. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want to – we don't have to go on about that all, all show like we have before. Uh, and speaking of those same issues, I mean, North Dakota State continues to see their slimmest attendance numbers in yeah. forever as they, they go through. They 50, 60 percent attendance on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, and uh, and they're going to get incarnate words. So I know you were tweeting about that. I didn't listen or <laughs> I, I, I saw it on my phone, but Gilbert and I were – Home watching something else. I, in fact, I had a high school basketball game that night. But even when I got home, I still think the game was going on. Yeah, and I didn't get over until two in the morning. I just, I just, I didn't, you know, I didn't make the uh, the effort to find it. But uh, apparently, it's as it was as awesome of a football game to watch as you've ever as I mean, you can imagine. What sixty six, sixty three. It was it was wild. I don't know if I would say it was a great football game because there was none defense being. Played I was going to say was it was it almost making you roll your eyes like you to the point where you're, it's not even surprising. A little or bit. I mean, there incredible. were a lot of. We're talking like one-score drives. Just yeah, eighty-yard like touchdown, eighty-yard touchdown, kickoff return touchdown. Yeah. You know, it's like you, just, you know it's going to come. Right, just yeah. do something on defense. Yeah, um, there, there's you know some people who think Incarnate Word can give the Bison a game. Um, that mean, geez, they scored sixty-six points. Their quarterback's a tremendous player, um, but how's that defense going to stop North Dakota State's offense? They just ran for four hundred some yards last week against Samford. Um, I know the Bison are known as this, like, physical team that's supposed to be, like, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of shit or whatever, but, like, they've got some pretty good players on offense, even with all the injuries they have, and they have a ton of injuries, uh, probably more than any team uh, in the playoffs. Hunter Lepke's out for the year. I think they're down to their third or fourth string running back. They've got injuries just all over the, f the place. But Cam Miller's there, and we all know <laughs> the third or fourth string running back, wide receiver, tight end, whatever, at North Dakota State is still a good football player. Mm -hmm. um, so... 
I, I think it's going to be a, a high-ish scoring game in the Dome, and I think North Dakota State's going to win. High-ish. Okay. And, uh, so, again, that's another – and the other thing They've is – They've been it, a little lower scoring this year. Than I mean, they always have. They, they, yeah. don't, they don't play that fast-paced. Even right. when they're powerful on offense, you know, they take their time. They chew up clock. They Very do true. that kind of thing. Yeah, well, and there's part but of me that's – go ahead. They play on Friday night this, this week again. So when the Jacks take the field on Saturday, they will already know if the Bison have won, and I'm assuming they're going to. And we have been saying how many times the last six, seven, eight, nine years that we all want to see this South Dakota State, North Dakota State National Championship game in Frisco. Twice already, the Jacks have had the opportunity and not held up their end of the bargain. We saw it in 2017. We saw it just last year. The Bison played on Friday night last year, too. They beat James Madison. We were all at the bars on Mo in Montana on Friday night watching the game. And then Saturday morning, it's like, hey, Jacks beat Montana State. We finally get our... Dakota Marker National Championship game, and then they lost. Um, at some point, and especially this year when the Jacks have clearly been a better team than NDSU all year, then that's no knock on NDSU. They have had a great season themselves, probably not getting enough credit as they deserve. But South Dakota State's been the better team. If they once again fall short, whereas the Bison are there again, mm. that's just, that gets, that's one of the reasons I think attendance doesn't, that, that they have struggles with attendance is people, there's a certain segment of Jax fans that are saying, like, prove it, you know, win that big game, get there. For them to, I guess. Uh, yes, yet again. That's a miserable disposition if anybody's in that spot. Well, you should, you see, sh my, sh you should see my Twitter DM. I sometime. mean, go to, the fucking, go to the fucking game and make some fucking noise because it's going to be that much sweeter when you win a game like that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I mean, calm I mean, down. Well, no, I've, I, I've been that way as a fan. I, again, uh, Husker football references, but I mean, in, in, in the age where at least you should, if you're a healthy human being and you're a fully formed human being and brain, your, your, your peak of your sports emotional state is what, 8 to 14, 15, 16, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's more to life. Still, we still love it. I mean, you and I make a living out of it, but okay. So in those years, that's when Nebraska was winning 10, 9, 10, 11 games a year, couldn't win the big one, always getting uh, outclassed, uh, outplayed by Miami, Colorado, Oklahoma, who, Florida State, whoever. Okay, but it was fun to go to some of those games at Memorial Stadium when, uh, you know, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and then it doesn't. And then, I mean, that's, that's as fun of an experience a sports fan can and should have. Well, but to be fair, when the Jacks, the one time they did make it in the spring season yeah. and they got to Frisco, there was like, well, geez, Bison fans, you know, take over Frisco when they make it. Are Jacks fans going to show up? They did. Yeah. I mean, they really, I think everyone was pleasantly surprised slash impressed by that. And I think that says something. Mm -hmm. That Jacks fans are like, if you show us you can do it, we'll show up. Yeah. Um, but there's a little bit of a, I mean, I still have people tell me whenever the Jacks lose their final game of the season, whatever it is, there's always those, and you know, there's every fan has their cranky bastards who are never happy yeah, sort right, of fans. Right, right, but right. this is why, you know, the tennis, this is why I don't go to games. This is why I don't let myself get invested. Because every time you think they're finally going to do it, they choke. They haven't choked this year. Here's what, I, here's what I can also ask is, obviously, the, the level of boredom with the FCS is not nearly, clearly, the level of boredom 
some fans, a lot of media certainly seem to have in Fargo mm-hmm. for the Bison. They're, it feels like they're done with this, whether they win the national championship this year or not. It's just, you know, it shouldn't be boring if the games are close or if the national title game is close, but it's not like the same old song and dance, been there, done that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously for South Dakota State, it's not that way, even though a lot of games are becoming blowouts and they're a lot better than most people they play. And it and it takes until, well, in this case, the quarterfinal round should be the semifinal round for to have a, even a competitive game in the playoffs. Uh, it, it's not as boring, obviously, because they haven't even won one national title. I mean, it's still, it, it still should be compelling, but is there it, – but it, we're ca- – were SDSU is ca- catching up with NDSU, and so um, how much of a I sense mean, of think, boredom do you think there is? To I the think point they where have let's try caught up. New? I think they have caught up, but from I, the standpoint of you know just talent level, you know they're 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 equal as a football program, but they don't have the resume, and part of getting that is you know winning games like the game they got on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm talking about the level of boredom with the FCS and the FCS playoffs. I, I, I'm, I'm getting to that. And the uh, okay, desire know, to go FBS. I, I think it's already, as you said, it's already set in at NDSU. Um, even last year when they won it, it was a little, it felt a little muted. You know, it was kind of like, oh, okay, we won it again. Yeah. You know, and part of that was the Jacks didn't make it, and everyone wanted to see that Jacks Bison final. And then Tommy Malott gets hurt in the first quarter of the national championship game. Montana State's like, oh, it was like when Gronowski got hurt against Sam Houston, and you know the Bison ended up winning the game. What was it like, 38 to seven or something? Yeah. I mean, it was a blowout. If the Bison win the national championship game again this year, I'm not saying they're gonna, you know, not matter or whatever, but um, <laughs> there's no denying that it doesn't have the same whatever to to anyone affiliated with that program it's become old hat yeah yeah you know and, and even if you're never going to get a chance to win a national championship again unless things split but that's also what makes it that much more i don't know what the word is pressing maybe for sdsu is like i think sdsu is probably going to have to explore fbs here pretty soon too fcs is falling apart mm-hmm. and sdsu might have to move up that level whether they want to or not mm-hmm. in the near future so there's a little bit of a sense that, hey, your window of opportunity is closing here. Yeah. You know, you might have to go FBS before you want to. And if you make that move without having won a national championship, well, guess what? You're not going to win one at the FBS level. Plus that window while North Dakota State is still there. Yeah. I well, mean, it would feel a little hollow. If, if NDSU leaves before them, they're not going to apologize to anybody about winning one without it. I, I get mean, it. it will definitely be cheaper. It won't no be, question thank about you. Okay. it. No question yeah. about it. All right. We only got about 10 minutes, if that. So there's... A couple places we could go. A huge win for SDSU's men's basketball team. A game against number one powerhouse South Carolina for the women's basketball team. I mean, you can tell me, and I do want to get to the Vikings real quick about what happened with them and what what that says about them and where they are right now. But with the Jacks men, I mean, it, I think you tweeted it. They they came roaring back. On Down 23 with set. eight minutes left. Okay. That's hard to do. And does it feel like they've turn some sort of proverbial corner? Um, I mean, it was possibly. you see them differently? Not a ton. I mean, that shows a lot of, you know, character resolve, all those sort of things. But, yeah. I mean, as much as we kind of roll our eyes at those things, there, there, are, there is value to those things. Of course. And you had to wonder what the, where their confidence was at, you know, losing as many games as they had. Um, Zeke Mayo having 30 points in that game tells me that he's recognizing someone on this team has to be the alpha. The go-to guy, the alpha, and that was the first sign that he's ready to do it. I think that's the thing Hendel wants to see the most. 
aside from, you know, getting healthy and cutting back on turnovers. They got, you know, Luke Apple's maybe done for the year. Charlie Easley got hurt. He's out for a while. Alex Arians didn't play last night, so they're banged up. They got a really small rotation. Long way of saying, you know, it's been a an ugly non-conference season, but who cares? These games don't matter. You know, I get I, it. I've seen you having to talk some Jack fans down. I'm really edge. surprised at how how hard some Jacks fans are taking it. I don't know if they thought because how great last year's team was that this year, hey, if we can just win a couple of those big non-conference games, we can be a 10 seed or an 11 seed. Yeah, last year's team could have, um, but the, you don't have Baylor Shireman or Doug, Doug Wilson. Hmm. You know, if, if the idea this year was that this team had the horses to put together a good enough non-conference schedule for the non-conference games to matter, I think that's delusional. Yeah. More often than not, the non-conference games don't matter to these mid-major teams. The only way they matter is if you think your team is so good that they have a chance to you know, be a higher seed than normal. Yeah. Well, this te Jack's team isn't that. And I have not yet seen any evidence. We'll see once conference play starts. But I have not yet seen any evidence to suggest that Jacks can't win the Summit League this year. So if they do it and they're a 15 or a 16 instead of a 13 or a 14, I don't think that's that big. Hey, nothing, nothing really mattered up until the point they were one in what seven, one in six in TJ's first year. Right, right. Uh, in in granted, league play, that team had in Mike league play. Yeah. but still, uh, it's yeah. Same, yeah, same sort of concept. Uh, so fill in the blank. Uh, I mean, uh, hey, look, the Pentagon's going to be rocking. Uh, I'm sure it'll be full for number one South Carolina to come in against. Assuming the, the Gamecocks can get here. Yeah, no kidding. Weather, but uh, but. Uh, You've said you don't like SDSU's chances of an upset. No, bit. I mean they're the number one team in the country. They're the defending national champions. SDSU's women has a couple really nice wins this year. They, you know, beat Louisville, was ranked number ten at the time, although they have since dropped all the way out of the polls. Uh, they beat Kansas State just recently, who was twenty fourth. They've had some competitive losses to Creighton, UCLA, but also some ugly losses to uh, Washington State and Montana State. Uh, you know they're still banged up. They don't have Paige Meyer. Drew Gilton's banged up. Um, and you look at South Carolina, it's not just that they're the number one team in the country and that they're on a, a totally different level than even. We've talked about this. At women's, in women's basketball, the top two, three, four teams are so much higher yep. than even the teams six through ten. Yep. You know, it's not like that on the men's side. You know, in the men's side, the number 23 team is pretty capable of beating number one. It's not like that with the women. Right. South Carolina is just that good. And then also you just look at the roster, 6'7", 6'5", 6'4", 6'4". We're not just talking about uh, their starting center and their starting four being 6'5". They have like six or seven women on the roster who are 6'4 and taller. Yeah. The Jacks' front line is 6'6", 6'1", 6'1", 6'1". Last I time I checked, team height makes a difference in basketball. Yeah. Uh, unless, you know, you're talking about total stiffs. And then we have uh, Vikings and Mike Leach to cross off the list. So, Vikings, I was here Sunday, ton of fun. Um, and there were as many people cheering against the Vikings as there were for them, which, which made it fun here at the Gateway. It's always, uh, I can't imagine a better place to be, watching a bunch of different NFL games at one time. Gilbert was here watching his Cowboys almost lose to the Texans. Uh, the, the nightmare just kept on happening for the Vikings. The nightmare that did not play out for the Jackrabbits at Holy Cross mm -hmm. did play out for the Vikings and Lions. Now, the Lions are better than their record uh, yeah, indicates. I, I didn't think They've it was won five of their last six. We'll um, go ahead. <laughs> People were all pissed off. Why are the Lions favored? They're five and seven, and we're ten and two. You saw why? Have you seen? I mean, have you watched the games? Yeah. You yes. know, the yep. Vikings have been—I don't want to say lucky, but lucky. Yeah. You know, and the Lions are playing well, and they're at home. Yeah. You know, the home team wins most of the time in the NFL. 
I was not at all surprised that the Lions were favored. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that the Vikings would still win just because the Lions are the Lions, and you never know when they're just going to shit all over themselves. It usually happens. Yeah, and I was kind of waiting for it, and it didn't happen. Good for them. They look like they're onto something there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs. Well, you know, they're not going to—they're not going to catch the Vikings. They're not going to win the division. Vikings are still going to win the division. All they have to do is win one more game, or the Lions lose one more game. Um, but also, you know, the Vikings are in their first year of, I don't want to say a rebuild necessarily, but, you know, new coach. Yeah. Anything they accomplished this year is gravy as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I didn't go into this season as a Vikings fan thinking Super Bowl. You know, the playoffs are always a possibility just because there's parity and yep. you know, weird things happen. But will I be surprised if the Vikings end up, you know, 11-6, and six, only win one more game and back their way into the playoffs? No, not at all. But this is the first year of this process that's fine with me. You know, the Lions are in, what, the third year of trying to get this going under Dan Campbell. And I'm not trying to say it's just Vikings versus Lions. There's 30 other teams in the NFL. But um, I didn't think that loss was, you know, terribly consequential for the Vikings. They're going to lose some more games. They're just not that good of a football team. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, And whoa, what was that? Those clicks meant my computer was freaking out on me for just a second. So. I will uh, finish Zimmer's sentences and points for him here because uh, he, he does not love the hire of Ed Donatel. Vikings, if they merely had a bad defense, probably could have beaten the Detroit Lions on Sunday. Just a bad one. Instead, they were so god-fucking-awful, they lost and trailed the whole game. And uh, it was just like a matador, the old A defense. Uh, they've given up 400-plus yards in five straight games, so it is probably the worst defense in the NFL. While the Detroit Lions are playing some of the best football in the NFL of any team, the last six weeks, and those forces combined for a, a rightful Vikings loss. Uh, whether it be Locke or just having a good team that knows how to win, and I think it's been more a good team that knows how to win than Locke for the Vikings this year, uh, eventually something was going to have to give. Matt Zimmer loves the law of averages, and the Vikings have tilted things in their corner against the Lions, usually just because they're better. Uh, for the entire 62, 63 year history between these two teams, certainly for the last several years, uh, Kirk Cousins is now 8-2 and two against them with that loss. Uh, the Lions were too good to uh, play like that and lose to the Vikings yesterday. And the Vikings have some serious questions about their defense. Uh, it's, it's as awful as it gets. Uh, they got away with it by holding the Jets to field goals, and that's something about the way Ed Donatel likes to coach football. Bend, don't break. But eventually, things break uh, if it's that bad. And... and I, I don't know what to say. Zimmer didn't like the Adonatel hire. It looks worse now than it did when it happened. Uh, I, I, to me, it made sense at the time. 40-year-old, uh, uh, brand new, shiny, bright, young, but inexperienced head coach who had never called offense before. Kevin O'Connell, he hires uh, an experienced, steely veteran who had called plenty of defenses in Ed Donatel. But Zimmer, after the computer crapped out, and Zimmer, who has now uh, left to pick up his six-year-old Arthur, you know, calls Donatella a 95-year-old fossil <laughs> whose defense is outdated. And it's really tough to argue against that thought, albeit rather harsh. 3-4 does not make sense for the Vikings when you have Daniil Hunter, one of the best pass rushers in the league, lining up at linebacker all of a sudden, even though a lot of times he has the line of scrimmage. It's just not going well, and the Vikings uh, probably are, and at this point don't look like a Super Bowl contender despite a 10-3 record because of that defense. And that's too bad because uh, Kevin O'Connell has made that offense just hum 
He gave it everything it needed. An offensive mind uh, as a head coach, uh, deferring to Justin Jefferson and building an offense around him and taking things off of Dalvin Cook. It, it's, it's been all the right moves for offense. And Dreamy McDimples has done no wrong, but uh, the hiring of Ed Donatello's defensive coordinator could come to roost. And all of a sudden, uh, the, the games at Chicago and Green Bay, uh, look out. Uh, if the Vikings are still trying to clamp down on a top, they're going to be a top four playoff seed. They're still going to win the NFC North. They've got one win left in them. The Lions still have one loss. Uh, but uh, the, the, the prospects of at least making an NFC championship game took a real hit now that the Vikings are no longer in that number two position and uh, look a lot more vulnerable heading into these last four games. Don't have playoff games at home. It's going to be tough to take that defense on the road and win anywhere else, especially San Francisco or Dallas. All right, final thought. Uh, Matt and I talked about Mike Leach off the air. It was on the docket. As I'm sitting here at the gateway, a few of the TVs have Mike Leach on them and remembering Mike Leach segments. And naturally, just after the heart attack and the death, uh, a, lot of, a lot of paying tribute and a lot of great storytelling. And so, of course, Matt and I, being people who have been covering sports for over 20 years, having covered so many coaches, many of them nice guys, we've covered a lot of incredibly talented and gifted coaches who are wonderful human beings. But on the outside, when it comes to what they say publicly to the media, in interviews, on TV, uh, speeches, the, a lot of them are cookie cutters. A lot of them seem the same. And that's a lot because a lot of them are guarded because they're, they're worried about saying the wrong thing. Mike Leach was not that guy. He was truly an original and we covet and love originals more than anything in our profession and forget about the fact that Mike Leach won everywhere he went in really tough places to win uh, Lubbock Texas Cheney Washington uh, Stark Vegas Mississippi those are perfect fits those were not metropolises those were places where the people and the uh, leaders of the universities let him be himself run the show do it his way and it worked imagine you put Mike Leach's fertile offensive mind uh, and cocksure but uh, but doesn't take him too self, himself too seriously attitude in places like Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. Would have been very interesting. Might have not been great fits, considering the blue blood nature of those places and the people that run them. But boy, with the tools and the resources he could have had there, uh, it would have been fun to at least watch him try. But he was in perfect places for him. And of course, he's going to be remembered uh, for being so unique and colorful and funny and downplayed. Uh, and I'll just leave you with a couple stories uh, from Twitter. And there, uh, there's some great stories. One was from Max Olson, who covers athletics for The Athletic in Texas. And uh, actually, Matt sent me this after he left. And uh, it's just a tweet with a quick story. Um, Mike Leach was the kind of guy who'd drink Tito's with unsweetened tea because it didn't taste good thus preventing him from having too many. That's a next level thinker. <laughs> and Max writes in parentheses, that's a true story. I had one with him once, it wasn't great. Uh, another one comes from Dirk Chantlin of the Omaha World Herald, uh, who I covered Husker football with when uh, I was at the Daily Nebraskan in Lincoln, long time ago, over 20 years ago. Dirk's now a columnist for the Omaha World Herald, a uh, brilliant writer, and he said, uh, he texted, uh, or he tweeted, I didn't know Mike Leach, but in 2005, my first year as a World Herald sports writer, I interviewed Mike Leach for a feature. Texas Tech was playing Nebraska. He called me at midnight, called me at midnight, a young sports writer, 
while he was watching the Alfred Hitchcock thriller Rear Window. Somehow he was talking about his cat Rex. And Mike Leach told Dirk Chatlin, sometimes he'll play attack the hand, you know. The hand dangles over the chair and he'll attack it. He knows the rules, no claws, and you can use the mouth, but not too hard. Bat the cat around a little bit while you're watching, you know? <laughs> Rex was named after uh, the Tyrannosaurus, of course. Looked like every other cat at the, cat st at the pet store when the family bought him. But Mike Leach said, I didn't have any idea he was going to be this big of a monster. He said, one time in the hot tub, the cat, Rex, hopped in, he swam around a little bit, then he jumped out. Didn't have that whole problem with water and all that, you know? He's really a strange cat by those standards. Mike Leach continues, strangely enough, I'm in a pretty nice neighborhood, but there's all these alley cats running around. So he's got this little harem of female alley cats that he goes and socializes with. <laughs> Uh, Mike Leach continues, the alley cats and the tomcats are obviously generally tougher than a house cat, but there will be all those little fights out there, and he's obviously the soft one, you know, but the thing is, just on sheer sights, he hammers all of them. Unquote. That's the Mike Leach story from Dirk Chatlin, a midnight Mike call while he's watching an Alfred Hitchcock movie and talking about his quirky cat. And Dirk Chatlin continued, he said, who the hell talked like Mike Leach? Who coaches like him? He had his flaws, absolutely. But in a profession where everyone talk, takes themselves far too seriously, Leach reminded us all of how fun football can be with his words and his teams. Uh, before he hung up that night in 2005, Mike Leach invited me, Dirk Chantlin, the Omaha World Herald sports writer, to West Texas to meet Rex. If you ever come to Lubbock, you can play attack the hand with the cat. The end. I mean, Mike Leach, walk off. Awesome. Um, you know, some of the some of his press conference material that you've been seeing retweeted and recirculated uh, since the time he he had the heart condition, and we thought un this unfortunate moment would come. Uh, man, uh, the uh, the you know some of the press conference uh, rants are funny, and above all else, original. We love that. But man, I felt at some point Mike Leach became his own monster set his own bar for quirky press conference audio, and it, it you know, it, it got a, to be a little, he created his own monster, we'll just put it that way. But still, it was great to have somebody who uh, thought and talked like unlike anybody else and made, made the sport, made, made sports better uh, and more fun. And so, uh, obviously, for that, he will be very much missed. And, uh, with that, we bid you adieu from the Gateway Lounge, where if you're not going to Brookings on Saturday, you're a Jackrabbit fan, you don't want to be in 12-degree weather with six or 10,000 of your Jackrabbit friends to watch them play for a national title game berth, watch it here. Warm, cozy, comfort, awesome food, terrific service. Uh, your beer, your drinks will never go empty. They'll make sure of it, or for very long. Uh, and... Uh, First and foremost, just an outstanding sports-watching atmosphere, especially for things like South Dakota State football games or NFL Sundays with a bunch of games going on at once. 2.30 to 3.30, eight different games going down to the wire. Phenomenal. Uh, you, you can watch and enjoy all of them right here. That's it. Bye-bye. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro.
Fuck you. Casino <laughs> round drinks? Yes. Yeah.